Hey everybody, I am here with David and Peter from the Shiro Crew to talk about a bunch of stuff, but also especially the magazine. How you guys doing? Uh, doing good. How are you doing? Doing really good, good. yeah. 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 So this uh this one is um unexpectedly mm-hmm. sponsored by by New England Brewing Company. Oh <laughs> so yeah, it's been an interesting couple of days. Like uh last night my friend John's band Scavengers played, you know, 20 minutes up the street from me. So I went to see that and I may have allegedly had a few beers. So mm-hmm. I woke up this morning feeling like, okay, well, you know, uh, I got this thing to do, but you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. Uh, I didn't realize what it was, but this company, beer company, New England Brewing Company, they, th- when they sell their six packs, they have the plastic covers mm-hmm. over all of them. So you can't see the top. And just like the Willy Wonka thing, um, they had a couple of golden lids. And if you oh, were the cool. golden lid winner, you got mm-hmm. to go on October 1st and do a bunch of stuff. And my friend and I got it, but I, like I glanced at their website and I was like, all right, so we get like a free six pack or something, whatever. I'll go. I like the beer. I was wrong. There is a huge Oktoberfest party today, <laughs> and they treated the winners like oh Willy God. Wonka. They were amazing. So we got a free hoodie. We got all you could drink, which I didn't. I only had three. I didn't go crazy, but all you could drink in the free beer mug, free food. They nice. sent us away with a case of beer, a tour of the whole thing. Like it was, they they treated us so amazing. So Prost. while uh, while. This uh, yeah. While this isn't sponsored by New England Brewing Company, this absolutely one hundred percent is is. Oh, I don't want to spill like my uh, my cord here. This a hundred percent is sponsored by New England Brewing Company. So that's so funny because yeah, I, I was um, thinking to myself, is 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 Bob going to be drinking? Should I should I bring something? <laughs> and I was like, because uh, because I the last one that we did, I think you were on water at that point. But anyway, yeah, we did it earlier or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually a yeah, brewing he, company here in San Diego called New English Brewing. And that guy, Simon, he's from uh, he's from Britain and he does like a bunch of like tr- uh, Burton on Trent style ales and stuff. But uh, so this place is called New England, right? As in uh, yes. New England. OK, cool. New England Brewing Company. And the, what I'm drinking now is Wonktoberfest beer, like Willy Wonka. Oh, that's um, awesome. And it's a German style dark lager. And it's good. It's very good. Um, yeah, we dark had a bunch lager. of different ones today. They had... Um, Imperial Stormtrooper Ale that was like twelve percent. Like there's there's a bunch of cool stuff <laughs> there. So nice. I always um I enjoy very much just having a beer in these chats because I really I yeah. really want these to feel like people are sliding over a chair and hanging out with us at a bar, coffee shop, whatever. Um, and then once I found out a bunch of people were really annoyed by the fact that I crack a beer and drink it during these, now I kind of have to. Cause just, oh, I love know. it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's so funny that that ticks people off. You know, it's funny. I was yeah. like, come on, it's just a beer. <laughs> Big deal. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to say it's making me cool. I'm the least cool person I know. I like it. So everybody else can enjoy whatever the hell they want, but I want to have a beer. And the darker, the better for me. Cheers. Man, what a terrible pour, by the way. Did you see yeah, that? I know that you got a lot of head one. on there. Is that uh, is that a dunkel you said? Or, or like yeah, a, just a... It's, uh, it's a dark German Pilsner. So it's oh, kind of okay. like um, uh, lower alcohol content, but, uh, you know. Really dark, malty, really biscuity. Yeah. 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 I, I got these, my earbuds on so I could hear myself and I caught my hand in it during the pour. So oh, yeah, that's yeah. going to, it's going to take a moment to settle. So yeah, if I'm, uh, if I'm not so sharp today, blame today's sponsor, new England brewing company. And that's great. Yeah, even, they even got like a, I got a token for a free growler for the next time I go and stuff like that. They're oh so man, nice I'm jealous. Place, so. That sounds so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Congrats. And one of the people there looked, looked like a spitting image of Martha Plimpton. 
So it was so funny because I just like, she's got to know, right? She's got to yeah. know she looks like a super famous actress. There's no way yeah. she, no one told her that before, but I don't want to be that guy and I don't want her to be offended. What if she's like, I hate the Goonies? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, didn't, I mean, who hates the Goonies? But still, you know. I don't know. All right. Well, so the reason specifically I wanted to talk to you two, not just because I like you and not just because I wanted to have a beer with friends, but I've got this magazine from you guys and I was so impressed. And the first thing I noticed, as dumb as this might sound, but the very first thing that I noticed was the barcode up here almost yeah. looks 3D. It looks like like Does I have to really? touch it a couple times to be like, is this like, is this a cutout? So like this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Okay, open page one and the barcode's going to be inside like huh. the, in while that you know that fun little optical illusion's <laughs> neat it's it just it gives the sense of the quality that went into that because there's Did no you scan way you it? could have no i haven't yet should i it'll take you to our website all the oh, there are I, I we use barcodes and qr codes in there as a kind of a way to keep it current so that uh, for certain citations and stuff like that, where we're not able to like fit all that information, people can just scan it with their phone and it'll take them to either a clipping or, or a, a YouTube video or to our website, what have you. And that way, the magazine kind of is evergreen in that way, you know, even though it. it's going to get old, you know, on the shelf, you know, but it'll certain information can be updated, you know. It's a great idea. Um, yeah. No, I mean, the content coming from you, your your whole crew, I, I knew this magazine wasn't going to suck. I knew it. But I, I just... I'm I've glad that was seen... a foregone conclusion. Because <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I didn't know it wasn't right. going to suck. <laughs> well, I have... Unfor- and I don't mean to be negative. I mean this mostly in a positive way. But there is a bunch of very cool retro-themed magazines out there. But there's a bunch that um, are not very cool. <laughs> and the the last one that I saw was was so bad. So bad that it turned me off from doing any kind of magazine. Like somebody had talked about, maybe you want to do something like, you know, just a fun yearly retro RGB one. I was like, Oh, it's a good idea. And then I saw that and I'm like, is this what people expect magazines to be like? No. So when I asked you like a year ago or two years ago to do like a write up, you're like thinking like, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) No, this was more recent. Probably if you asked me a year ago, I I would have been, I would have been excited about it. Uh, But if you asked me, you know, like, Three, six months ago, I'd have been like, I, I don't know. Let me see your magazine yeah. first. Let's Just, see uh, it first. Okay. That's well, fair. Ho- holy crap. Yeah. So first and foremost, um, how did you get, and I'm going to ask random questions. I'm going to bounce around because that's how my silly brain works. But how did you get the quality this high? Is this something, is this, and please excuse my ignorance. I've never done anything like this, but is this as simple as like 
in checkout, you click the high quality option and it shows up this way? Or did you like have to specify the thickness of the cover, the thickness of the page? You have to specify everything. Actually, ignorance is allowed because um, back in, I want to say 2018, when Peter and I had this idea, we were both completely ignorant. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. Peter knew how to write and boy, is he a damn good writer. And I knew how to do art, right? Mostly (laughs) digital art. And that was about the extent of it. The rest was a learning process, honestly. And publishing is a beast of a thing like that I've had to learn as I go. So, you know, if, if anything I can say about this magazine is that I've been teasing it a lot over the years, like in private chats and like kind of showing people, hey, look what we're doing, you know, and everybody's like, oh, cool. Yeah, you know, we'll see when that happens, you know, like whenever that actually comes to, you know, ends up mm-hmm. being more than vapor, you know, or, or just an image that I'm sharing in a private chat or something. And, and so, yeah, it's been a long time. I think I kind of bit off more than I could chew, Peter and I, but like, it's been a long time, but we said, darn it, we're going to make this happen. We're going to do it like by hook or by crook. We're going to make this come out, you know, so that we have something to be proud of that we can look back on and say, you know, we made that and, and it's cool. You know, people like it. I want to bring smiles to people's faces and help them kind of relive that nostalgia because magazine game magazines are so important to Peter and I like, right, Peter, Mm -hmm. you want to speak on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, in that era that was sort of not quite pre-internet, but not too many people had internet. So, uh, magazines were really the way to, you know, absorb and consume information and find out what was coming down and read reviews and all that kind of stuff. And even back then, uh, you know, amongst the professional magazines, there were some that were written really well and you looked forward to them and, you know, you, you almost felt, uh, like the writers were almost like personal friends cause they just did such a good job with their magazines. And then there were also magazines that, you know, the quality just wasn't there, whether it was, uh, the writing itself or the layouts or the graphics that were used, or even the, the pages, you know, they weren't, they were flimsy and they were just crap quality. So, you know, even back in the day when all that stuff was out there, you had all kinds of varying degrees of quality. So when you and I were thinking of doing this magazine, Dave, I remembered like, you know, things we weren't sure about is how often could we put them out? How many pages would there be, et cetera, et cetera. None of that was uh, set in stone. But if there's one thing that I know neither of us would be willing to compromise on, it was quality. You know, we wanted to make sure that we put out a really solid, good uh, mm-hmm. quality magazine that when when folks held it in their hands and flipped through it and, and read through it and everything like that, it, it would feel like a really good 90s style magazine. And I hope that we have succeeded with this, you know? Yeah, yeah. you did. And, and the other thing I got to say too, and I, I obviously mean this with love, but some of the, some of the written stuff, right? You get halfway through reading and you forget that you're reading a magazine because it's just, now you're just sucked into an article. So mm-hmm that is always the sign of a good content, uh, any good content, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you know, well, of course the nostalgia part's fun, the, the quality of the pages is fun, but as you're really getting into it, the subject that you talk about, some of the stuff, it's like, you're just engrossed in the content. And yeah. that, I mean, that's a win. Like if, if the magazine is printed so badly that you're squinting to read whatever is on there, it's like, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't get that opportunity to just enjoy the content. You're like, what yeah. the hell did I pay for here? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, growing up, so Peter and I were both big gamers. We loved to game growing up and and play games. And it's like now we're like 
grown up gamers. We're adult gamers. And I think that we kind of interact with the media a little bit differently. We're both nerds. We love hardware. Uh, absolutely love hardware. We love pushing it in every way, you know, tr- exploring every port that the Saturn has to exploit, like, every little peripheral. We love uh, game history preservation. You know, we love all the ephemera that comes with gaming magazines and uh, standees and uh, booth, you know, little placards and stuff like that and silver, uh, commercially pressed silver discs and stuff like that. So we we really love everything that kind of is in the periphery or, or surrounding video games, you know? And I think that as adults, that's kind of how we, we nerd out these days, much less so with just playing. I mean, we still play the games, of course, but it's, I think we spend more time on video signals and, and on, uh, you know, all this stuff kind of like, you know, that's what we have in common with you too, is just um, getting the most out of these consoles and just kind of enjoying them in new ways. And so mm-hmm. that's one of those things when it comes to like the magazines, uh, the, the interviews with like David Warhol, you know, talking about the making of bug. Here's a game that is kind of divisive. Some people are like bug. That's a, you know, I'm like, but you know what? There's a story behind that. That's the Sega away team. They were, t- they were called the tiger team or the away team. And they were brought in as a, a small example of second party. So they weren't first party. They weren't third party. They were second party developers that were kind of brought into the fold. And they were like, okay, you guys are going to be our Sega away team. And you're going to be able to develop this game and telling that story and getting that out there, I think is so important. Um, And it gives people a new appreciation for some of these underappreciated games. I think the stuff that Panda does too, you know, Pandemonium, he'll take a game like virtual racing, you know, uh, which is not even a port. It's like a remake, you know, uh, or he'll Mm -hmm. take something like, you know, what have you, what what, what was the most recent one? You mean Uh, Time Warner's Virtual Racing, Virtual Racing. Time Warner's (laughs) Virtual Racing, exactly. You know, and he'll he'll get people playing these games again and being like, well, you know what, actually now like viewed in this this new light, viewed, you know, with all of that in mind, you know, the people that actually made it and all of the challenges and hoops they had to jump through, obstacles they had to face, it really gives you a new kind of appreciation for the game. And even if it's not the best game ever, you just you just appreciate that history, you know, uh, where it sits in in the history of the console and and its games, you know. So we, I think that's kind of what we wanted to do with this magazine is kind of bring some of that information to light and help people find new appreciation. All right, so why don't we start just at the beginning? Because yeah. I'm kind of fascinated about how you got from your idea in 2018 to here. So can you both just like rewind? So it's 2018. You come up with the idea to do a magazine. What What's the next? You'd have to go happened? back before 2018, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> it goes back to early days of Shira. So it goes back to 2017 when Shira was a podcast. And there was the, and we were just three guys. You were Pat, Dave, and Kay at the time, Murder of Crows. Um, and we were doing the podcast, but there was this guy on the Facebook groups named Peter, and he would write these really elaborate posts. And I'm not talking about like the boring TLDR kind of posts that you are, you kind of get upset you at because they're find too on Facebook. <laughs> no, instead it's instead it were, there were like you know paragraphs or a couple of paragraphs that would just suck you in, you know. And I'd be like, this guy can write, you know. He's not just like a good writer; he's a great writer. And I'm thinking like it kind of reminds me of like Richard Ledbetter, you know, or hmm. Sam Hickman or um, Lee Nutter, you know, some of those guys from the original OSSM crew, you know, like wouldn't it be great if we could pull him in as a Shiro? <laughs> so, you know, we all agreed, you know, he was like, Oh yeah, he conducts himself well in public. He seems like a nice guy. Let's extend a, 
you know, let's extend an invitation. And so, yeah, Peter joined, was one of the earliest to join uh, the podcast and then started writing exclusively for our website. And he was the only one doing it at that time, writing uh, feature length articles. Peter, do you want to talk a little bit about how much time you poured into those (laughs) articles? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure as any content creator could attest, there's just so many hours that go into whatever the end product is, you know, and when it's, uh, when it's a written article, I mean, you know, you start to write the article, you kind of structure it, you, you know, break it down into sections. And then you realize you really need to do some extra research and you start digging and, you know, you come across archival material, whether it's, you know, early designs or drafts or whatever, you know, potentially sometimes you can reach out to some of the folks that were involved in building a game or whatever. Um, And it just evolves, it grows and grows and grows. And what you're left with ultimately, at least, you know, the articles that I've been uh, uh, writing for, uh, for Shiro is, you know, you're left with something that's super hefty and meaty and, you know, there's a lot to it. So this isn't something you're going to read in five minutes, you know, in between, you know, tasks or whatever. So, uh, it takes a lot to put a solid article out there. And, um, you know, when when we were thinking of magazine, one thing I thought of is we're no longer under any kind of time crunch like the folks back in the day were. We're not trying to meet any specific deadlines. You know, it's not like if we don't report on something immediately, it's going to be stale in two weeks or whatever, like the folks back then were. So I figured, okay, well, we can take our time with this. And so, of course, you know, uh, my articles got really long and I'm not talking long for the sake of being long, but there's just a lot of different angles that I would always cover and, um, you know, uh, ways of looking at things that I would sort of make sure that everything had its own section. Um, but when it came time to put them into the magazine, they were almost too long, weren't they? And that's something that you kind of, uh, had to, you had to, you had to cut it down. Cause I was like, that's, that's a big discipline in art and in, in any kind of content creation is, crystallizing what you want to say into the most focused form of itself, right? You know, and, uh, but the the thing is though, Peter's articles weren't really getting out there was the biggest issue. Like that's that Mm. I think was the impetus for the magazine was that I was frustrated because here was this great writer pouring in countless hours and he wouldn't half ass it just because it was for a blog or whatever. Like he was writing these magazine quality articles and like maybe a hundred people, if that would be reading them, you know? And I was like, we got to find a way to get this in front of more people, you know, um, because, you know, we're doing videos and we're doing the podcast, but like all this effort and all this talent is going to waste, I feel, because not, not enough people are reading it and enjoying these articles. So uh, I was like, what do you think about making this a magazine? And then it's like, it, we could really get this thing in front of more eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, Peter? Yeah. And you know what? Like, I mean, obviously the idea was super exciting. And, and, and immediately, like the first thought was, okay, it has to be all about quality. That's mm-hmm. got to be the foundation. No matter yeah. how long it takes us to put, put a product out, you know, whether we have to, we have to really take our time with it, um, none of that mattered so long as the end result was quality. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, from there on, we, you know, we sort of uh, went through a process of figuring out, okay, well, you know, what, what would we want to focus on in that first issue? What articles do we want to pull in there? You know, how much of it has to be cleaned up, trimmed down, you know, with the writing that that we were going to include. And 
And then how do we make it look just like a magazine from the nineties, including things like, you know, ads and, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of sort of uh, sections of a magazine that you would expect to see back then. So, so I think it was, you know, it was interesting because it was our first issue. So now you could say that we've almost got a template that we can work mm-hmm. off of, we've yeah, got we some do. direction, but, but, you know, this was, there's, there's no, you know, there's nothing out there that will, uh, uh, you know, you, you allow you to cut and paste and just slam a magazine together. Nothing of no. any quality anyway. So, um, you know, a lot of that um, had to do, uh, you know, with looking at, okay, what is it that we want to include? How do we want to make it look? And how do we ensure that it, you know, stays top quality? And I, you know, a lot of that was um, your design choices, Dave, and, you know, even things like font size and font color and you know making sure that it would stand out and you wouldn't have to be squinting and everything so so i know is it was, it, was, it was a lot of work to get it to that state so it's definitely something i'm very proud of for sure so what was step one i guess step two step one's deciding you're going to do it so mm-hmm. what's step two then like what was uh i guess it would be collecting some written works but like when it comes to actually magazine creation it's not well, so much the content because obviously sure. we know where you're getting the content from. You're, you're making it, but mm-hmm. like, what was that next step? Yeah. Um, so at the time, I was already doing, you know, like long box U.S. hypothetical long box repros and stuff like that. I was doing like Saturn games, and I was doing like complete manuals. So I was like getting my feet wet with like publishing, doing like saddle stitch publishing. You know, and uh, which is not what this is. This is perfect bound publishing, but still it's a it's a form of publishing. And so I was kind of getting used to that and different print qualities and papers and stocks and stuff like that. But the real the real thing was when we when Peter and I sat down and we were like, what do we really want this to be? You know, like what what do we want this to be at the end of the day? And we decided there were a few things there were a few like important things to us. It needed to be free for the community, the PDF, the digital version, this is for the community. This is done by fans for fans. This is not a profitable venture for us. This is something we can show our kids, you know, and be proud of. Like, honestly, we're not trying to get rich. We're definitely not going to get rich. If anything, we might lose money. But the point is we wanted it to be free for the community. And then if we did do a limited uh, print version, we wanted it to basically be cost, you know, for the community. Um, I want people to get this in their hands for an affordable price, you know, and, and I want to be able to do more like that. Um, we decided that we wanted it to, um, we don't have any solicited, uh, ads in there. We don't have any like paid ads. The, the items that are in this magazine that we put mock ads for like the Retrobit controllers or the satiator or the Fenrir, these are products that we have tried. We have vetted ourselves and we feel that these things provide value to the com- to the Saturn gaming community that they pro- that they provide solid collateral the projects that people have worked on like the the bulk slash English uh, translation and dub it's an excellent excellent game to begin with but it's an excellent project they did an amazing job and we feel like folks owe it to themselves to go play this and experience this you know so anything that we advertised is is stuff that we feel benefits the community you know and they can trust those ads you know like saying okay these guys aren't being paid to say this um you know we might even put a re- uh, a retro rgb ad in there because honestly like the the amount of value that you bring to the community with your in-depth uh, analysis and all the the value and wealth of information that you have uh, as a, as a one-stop shop for like quick reference 
is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We didn't have it five years ago, or we certainly didn't have it a decade ago when I was trying to figure out all this stuff, you know, like we discussed before. So those are the kind of things that we're passionate about telling the community about and, and advertising in this magazine. And then, uh, what I love else? That. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> and thank you for, for the compliment. Yeah. Uh, I loved all of that except Retrobit. They're a big company. You should send them an invoice for this shit. Yeah, yeah you know. We... Bang, what the fuck, dude? You should pay them. <laughs> Me, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we will. But, you know, again, like, uh, and there, there was, there was one ad that I put in there, one quote unquote ad that I put in there. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw anybody directly in the, under the bus or anything like that. But there was an ad that I kind of pulled because of some of the conduct that said company has had uh, in the community. And I felt like, okay, you know, like there, there are enough folks that are upset about this company and how they conduct themselves that I just don't feel like, even though this is a great product, I don't really feel like it's uh, something that I want to blast out there. Oh yeah. We totally endorse and support the, you know, this company because oh, I yeah, it makes complete sense. Exactly. But yeah, you know, Retrobit, um, we we know Richard. We uh really really nice guy. Uh, it's a you know it's a great product. It's not perfect, but they did actually try to go back and revise it. They did try to listen to fan uh, feedback. They made a a really solid um, you know wireless control pad that you can use for ninety nine percent of the games on a Saturn uh with success. And and it means you don't have to buy one of those funky IR controllers that are like a couple yeah, hundred well, bucks. Actually- Wired controllers. You like the um, wired Saturn ones? and Genesis. Yeah, yeah, the USB and the original. Sure. I think they're they're really really close to the original. And I haven't had they I, are. I haven't heard too many people complain. the uh, The Saturn wireless one I had was was pretty pretty darn laggy. But I, I think that's with an older firmware. Was that a Bluetooth or uh, or was that the RF? It was the one that came. I think it was this exact one that came with the little box that have both the um you know both. Rec- this episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Oh, and it was really laggy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, they did. They did first edition and they did have a couple of firmware updates, but I did. Yeah. I mean, I I bought it because that was my main go to testing controller. Yeah. Mm Because it was great to be wireless. I could use it with everything. But once Mm -hmm. I started actually playing and so i was like why you know when the mr add-ons latency sheet came out and i saw how low latency their wired ones were I was like, mm-hmm. why would i why would i ever even question let me just get the usb one and use that with mr true you know and i i i have to say if you if you are doing um video analysis you know for like lag test analysis or you happen to be playing like really twitchy shmups, I don't recommend that anybody plays wireless, honestly. I certainly don't myself. Like whenever I'm playing any kind of bullet hell shmup or something, it's got to be wired. 
Like I don't kid yeah. myself. I there's always going to be latency with a wired connection, no matter what, unless we skip forward. Uh, you're playing years. a turn by turn RPG <laughs> or something. It's like there's yeah. zero difference. You know, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. never notice that. Zero so. di- exactly. And so for that, it's great. You know, I use it with my kids. You know, so they don't like go tripping over the c- cables and pull the system out, which happened the other day with my Neo Geo CDZ. Like they they're playing the Wii, you know, and they're like doing the, the whipping the controller. I think it's okay, but I mean, I like kind of freaked out a little bit because I was like, it was pushed back into the into the like console, and I was just like, this console, I cannot like buy a new one of these now without <laughs> going deep in my pockets. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so so anyway. um, what what software does one use to design the layout of a magazine? I would I know nothing about any of this stuff. Okay, so. Uh, sorry. Uh, so yeah, um, I think the, the correct answer is going to be something like InDesign, Adobe InDesign. Um, I used, I used Photoshop quite a lot because I, I, I am really heavy on graphics, you know, and I, and, and I like to design it so that the text and the graphics are like, kind of like intertwined, you know, on a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, now I know that you can still do that kind of stuff with InDesign. And so you're, you're technically supposed to use Adobe Photoshop and then bridge over to InDesign. And it's like you're, you're working on graphics in Photoshop and then you're bridging over to InDesign and it's porting everything in and you're doing all your text layout in InDesign. Um, so I think that that's like the correct answer, <laughs> but that's not how I did it. I pretty much did this whole thing in Photoshop, which um, I like a, a lot of magazine people are probably going to laugh when they hear that. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not a magazine guy. Like I'm a Photoshop guy and an illustrator guy. Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop are like my bread and butter. And so that's just kind of like how I came at it, you know? Um, and I've, I've talked I mean, to... If it comes yeah. out good and everybody else right. could eat it. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, like guys like, like, like uh, I don't know, Jeremy Parrish or whatever, or the the dudes who are doing the books and stuff like that on... Or, or I don't know, newsletters and stuff like that. They're probably using InDesign, and and I might actually, I might, I might, uh, you know, move over at some point. But it's like at this point, I have a workflow that I'm good at with Photoshop, and I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it works. Hey, if it works. You should use it. I mean, most of the yeah. screenshots that I captured that ended up being used in the magazine were using uh, SSF. You know. A super old emulator, but it's stable. It works. I can use it quickly. It doesn't demand too much resources. So, you know, we use it. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't knock it. I mean, the results are obviously superb. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, that's always a constant battle for any content creator and it, you never really know until it's too late. Right. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have said like, you have to switch to this program. And I'm like, eh. and sometimes I spend like three or four hours learning it. And mm-hmm. it's not at all that was something that would help. And I just wasted half a day. Yeah. And other times I finally get around to it and I spend three or four hours learning it. And then all of a sudden I realize I've saved myself five minutes a day every time I do this, mm-hmm. which immediately adds up to, holy crap, this was so much better of a, a workflow. So it's a roll of the dice. You, you're damned yeah. if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, I I, sure. I believe I'm in I'm in the camp of I believe that I would save time ultimately, uh, but I would have to invest a lot of time up front to learn InDesign like in and out the way that I know Photoshop in and out. You know what I'm saying? So there there are a lot of yeah. things that I can do very quickly in Photoshop. Um, I could probably do the whole thing quicker in InDesign if I already like took a class or something <laughs> like knew it, you know. And so 
yeah, like for now, I'm pretty much like Illustrator and Photoshop, you know? Yeah. So um, how did you choose the layout of stuff? Because, of course, you know, there's been many really nice magazines since the 80s and 90s to talk about video games. So you had a basic template to go through, but just, you know. Yeah, I've had people tell me. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's just like the flow of it, right? Like, it feels legit. It feels like, you know. Uh, not, I don't mean the quality, which is obviously good, but like, right. you know, it's got a really nice cover that absolutely catches your eye. You know, the giant bug eyes, mm-hmm. you know, exactly what you're looking at soon as soon as you do it. But you open it up and it feels like a nine day Sega ad is in here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then you then if then you have the very I mean this with love, but you have a very typical 90s style game magazine. So you have, you know, the staff the support cover story, like, you know, table of contents. But like, how do you, other than that, other than the very root of it, how would you decide what comes after that? <laughs> like, you know, because that, that's, that's one of those things where you have infinite amount of choices. I think it's so just a lot out, of, you get the sense of familiarity, but then where do you go from there? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, part of it is uh, doing a layout, right, Peter? Like we have to, mm-hmm. we have to kind of like do a bull, uh, an outline, let's say like a spreadsheet outline, you know, of like, okay this is how many pages we're shooting for. And we've got to kind of lay out content like this, right. To, to kind of portion it out and make sure that it, it's even with the amount of ads and, and little blurbs and, and feature, you got your, your cover story, you got your feature stories, you've got your developer interviews, you got your like one page write up kind of things. We're in this next issue, we're going to have like game reviews. Uh, Pandemonium is going to do some game re- reviews for us. We're going to have an arcade corner so we're definitely looking to do more with the next issue, but I think it starts there. And then it's just, uh, we're super inspired. Like, I don't want to do all the talking here. I want Peter to be able to talk more. Um, but like, I would say that we're just super inspired by, um, you know, like John Linneman's boss, <laughs> uh, Richard Ledbetter. And that magazine was just killer. Like official Sega Saturn magazine. Um, if you look at that and you look at this, you you will see that we were incredibly inspired by much of what they did, you know, and that that was kind of like a, a foundation that we worked around that and next generation. How would you, yeah. what would you think? Yeah. Peter? Yeah. Those two are definitely the, the two big influences. Like when I was thinking of, of this uh, earlier, when we were getting it all, all together, I thought, okay, well, you know, what were some design ideas that absolutely worked? You know, what what were some things that I really, really enjoyed myself as a magazine reader back in the day? Because, you know, just like you said, this is a magazine by fans for the fans. And so we want to take the best of what we saw back in the day and sort of distill it and and be able to sort of, you know, put it in a nice uh, package. And so, yes, uh, the official Sega Saturn magazine, the inspiration for me out of that was just the quality of writing. Like, I mean, you know, it was heads and tails better than you know a lot of the uh, other content that you can get at the time you could tell that it was written by pros it was written by people who weren't taking you for fools you know yes you know especially towards the end of that magazine's run they got a little bit excited because it was a losing battle and so they tried to sort of marshal a lot more excitement than maybe there there was a right to have at that time uh, as a saturn fan but but you know, there was never any um, like there was never any crap that you had to wade through when you were looking at those magazines. And then Next Generation, which you also called out, it, it almost read like more of an industry magazine as opposed to necessarily a consumer magazine, even though that's ultimately what it was. 
but it was just written in a very mature manner and the layout was mature and it was logical and it flowed. And so those were some of the cues that I wanted to take, you know, out of the sort of glorious magazines of the past and make sure that we can sort of uh, have the spirit of that represented in, in our work. So, so yeah, that's, you know, that played a big, big sort of role in it. And there were definitely other mags that we uh, definitely wanted to make sure we didn't emulate because they didn't, you know, sort of reflect the the qualities Absolutely. that we wanted to reflect. So and we're not going to name them. They all, you know, they all had their purpose. They all had their 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 niche that they served. But yeah, but uh, it was definitely looking at, you know, what was done before us, what was done uh, that we want to emulate that was really sort of best in class. And how do we take that and squish it into a magazine of our own? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, you know, personally, I don't like I'm glad that that people out there who are, you know, average Joes, you know, and they, they have other areas of expertise, but they look at this and they're very happy with it. You know, I'm glad for that. Um, at the same time, I look at it and I already see it for all of its flaws and everything that, and I know for a fact that do the dudes over at like Sega powered, who also put out a really nice polished mag, you know, I know that they know what to look for. They know the things that, that that are kind of amateurish and then they know the things that are, oh, well, this is good. It's quite good for, you know, for what they're working, you know, their resources and their, their you know. Uh, and so I know the areas where we already need to improve. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad that regular people don't know that stuff, you know, and that they can get it in hand and be like, Hey, this reminds me of game fan that we've been, we've been compared a lot to game fan, which is funny because I didn't, I I've read a bit of game fan, but it wasn't the one that, you know, that I really read a lot of back in the day, but a lot of people been comparing it to game fan. (laughs) Funny enough, you know? Yeah. It is always funny to see. Uh, different creators and how they have their own critical eye on their work and how it mm-hmm. applies different to different things. And it's just always something that I kind of laugh at. Cause like, right. You know, with a lot of the videos that I put out, like there's gotta be a cutout or a cutoff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would still be working on my second video if I didn't mm-hmm. just say, you know, I got to move on. So mm-hmm. when I see those, it's like a lot of times all I see is the mistakes or what's changed since the video is out. And it kind of bugs me. But on the other side, like I, I listen to some of the albums I've recorded over the years or songs or whatever, and I'm just right. I'm sure if I went looking for it, I could find a million mistakes, but that, that's not what I hear. I'm just like, right. cool, I did that. That's you, cool, yeah, I recorded this. I did that. Yeah, I know that feeling. It's great. I, and I do think that that's the takeaway. At the end of the day, like uh, all things considered, I look at this mag and I just say, you know, this is something I did with my Shiro bros. I, you know, Pat's got an article in there. Nick's got one in there. Peter has several articles. I've got a few that are, you know, kind of sh- shallower articles, but they're, they're cool. And then, um, and then the design stuff. And we, this is something we made together and I'm just so proud of it. And honestly, you know, we all have day jobs. Um, we have pretty good jobs. You know, we're, we're like, we're, we're, we're pretty comfortable so that we could do this thing that was completely a hobby. You know, it was just a, it was just a hobby. It was a labor of love. We didn't feel any kind of pressure. Like we had to get it out the door. Like Peter said, uh, because because we're expecting to make money on it or anything like that. You know, it was really something we were able to take time with. And I've heard people say before, like, oh, you know, if you value your own work, you should charge for it, you know? And I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But again, like I work, I work a good job and I get paid well for it. So it's like, when it comes to something like this, that's a complete hobby, you know, I'm just happy we were able to make something for the community as maybe, trite or cliche as that sounds. And I'm just happy that we were able to make something for the community that people can enjoy. And I, I really do hope that it brings some enjoyment to people, you know, uh, 
I hope they read it. I hope they don't just put it on their shelves, you know? Uh, and then I think, I think, you know, that whole comment about, uh, you know, if you value your work, you charge for it. I don't, I think that is incredibly situational. I think if you have something like this, like if you wanted to make, you know, the Shiro website podcast videos, your day job, hypothetically speaking, mm -hmm. you know, that, yes, you know, you should try to get a, some sort of pay model in, but the magazine right. with, with all love and respect, like you're never going to be able to shut down the rest of what you do and only do the magazine. That's just right. not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So what, why would you think about it as let's see how I could make money from this when you could say, Hey, this is a fun hobby. Mm -hmm. Let's not have to worry about any kind of influence and let's yes. not say, Hey, let's replace the cover instead of bug, which has the really awesome interview that talks about the dev kits and being in, you know, the second party team. Oh, let's remove that because, uh, I don't know. Daytona USA is going to get more, more purchases from it, which I love Daytona, but oh, like, yeah. this was a really cool story. Yeah. So yeah. The fact that you didn't have to say, well, what's going to make all the money from this. You just yeah. said, what's going to be the best for this project. Right. I think that that is such a huge advantage and stuff like this. Yeah. That's why I'm a failed YouTuber because right. I always put what's <laughs> best for the, the, the people who are watching over what's best for the algorithm. So it's yeah. kind of like the same thing, you know, and so, yeah. So yeah, that I mean, it definitely came through. Like you, you didn't hide the fact that it is for fans by fans. You put it right on the front page, yeah. uh, in a beautiful glossy logo. So it's yeah. you know, I, I love that. I think that's really cool. And yeah. it's also a little, uh, it's also a little tongue in cheek. Like it, it, at the top, we say number one fanzine. You know, because like at the end of the day, it is a fanzine. But I think Peter and I, um, you know, there's there's this. Uh, there's this concept in Japanese manga and anime of the fool, you know, the fool is like, he succeeds and does amazing things and blows everybody away, even though he completely underestimate him, you know, and he's, he's a, he's basically like a fool, you know, or like a drunken master or something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, we'll always call this like a fanzine, but it'll be like the, the freaking like best fanzine there's ever been. Right. You know, like we'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep people's expectations really low so that we can always blow them away, you know, <laughs> instead of just, you know, instead of acting, you know, trying to act like we're a professional magazine or anything like that. Like it is what it is. No we're acting anymore. There's yeah. zero acting here. This is, I mean, this is as pro as it gets. So yeah. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. you know, right. I did love that. I thought that was pretty funny. You know, yeah. Um, so you set all of this up in, in Photoshop mostly, mm -hmm. and you know, some of it's kind of obvious cause you would probably have to do this as one piece, right? Uh, the, the well, front, yeah. back and middle, and, but you don't have to design I, it that way. If, luckily enough, you don't have to design it that way. Um, there are print companies that do that for you. You know, they, uh, so you, you, they, they take all of the page designs that you've done. I mean, and I design in spreads. I, in Photoshop, I actually do design in a spread. If I'm going to be going from one side of the page to the other with a big, huge title or something like that, I'll design it that way. But then I have to cut it up and I have to essentially cut it in pieces and feed it to. So we used a print service that's actually based in the UK. Um, but they have a warehouse in Illinois. So they have a fulfillment warehouse in the, on the, in the U.S. as well. So their customer service is in the U.K. and they have factories in the U.K., but they also have um, fulfillment in the U.S. And we were able to get a really good rate, actually. It took me a long time to find, but it turns out that they kind of cut out a lot of the middleman in terms of the proofing. It's all digital. It's all through their website. is so robust and it handles all that that it's pretty much like 
it only hits a person once it's like completely ready to go and they kind of give it the, a look over and they're like, okay, this is good. And, and then it goes to print. But for the most part, it, we were able to really get the price down, which is what we needed to do. Uh, and even then it's expensive uh, in terms of mag- as magazines go, because we're small potatoes. But, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's something I learned with one of my bands I was telling Pat is I, I was in a band like a decade or close to two decades ago where we had an opportunity to, to do a vinyl release. Right. And, uh, we used a East coast company, um, called not rafter. It was, uh, forget what furnace or something like that. It was called, and it was an East coast company and they could ship freight. Right. But because it was freight and it was so expensive to ship, they're like, well, if you buy like 1500, it's going to be a lot cheaper than if you just buy like the, I don't know, 200 that we were thinking about doing. Right. You know, the rest of the story, we, we went for the more expensive thing, put it on a credit card, right? You know, and I am literally still sitting on boxes of those vinyls that are in my garage, like that I, I even tried to like give to record stores on consignment and they were just like, sorry, dude, we've already had, you know, we already have a few of your albums sitting on the shelf. Oh, we sold a bunch of them at shows and stuff like that. But it was one of those things where if like people couldn't hear it, they might not take a chance on some random band on vinyl, but yeah. So I didn't want another one of those situations, you know? And again, we didn't really have that kind of capital to just blow on like a huge order. So mm. as is the case with these things, if you can only buy a little bit, you know, it's going to be, it's going to cost more, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So right. that's, that's kind of the issue, but we were able to find a company that that was pretty darn cheap compared to everything else, you know? And so I was able to, like you were saying, you know, I was able to insert all the images into their online creator tool and it stitches everything together the way that it should be. So yeah, that oh, part cool. was, yeah, yeah. Worked out well. And were you able to get like a sample sent to you first to, to prove it, to make sure everything went okay? Or did you have to just, you know, so do I, the gamble? Because, so because I print, um, because I do a lot of stuff, at my own studio uh, where I work and I have a really nice printer. It's not that nice. You know, it's not as nice as what you're holding in your hands, but it's really nice. Like Peter's seen some of the stuff that I've printed and stuff. And uh, so I was able to basically print a copy myself and cut it and do perfect binding myself as a, a, uh, as a means of like, and then they also give you a digital proof that shows exactly where they're going to cut it and everything. And so we were like, yeah, this looks great. Let's go. So yeah, I was taking a little bit of a leap of faith, right? And so they their factory was like super jammed up. They were super busy. Um, they rushed our order. They sent it to us, and it had a couple of problems. It had it had a, a, there was a little problem with the cut at the top, and there were also some stray ink marks on a couple of the pages. Now, nothing nothing so big that I think most people would even care. Like most people would probably overlook it or they'd say, oh, that's the kind of thing you would see in the magazines you get in the mail, you know, like, but again, for me, I was like, it has to be perfect. I'm paying for this. And also like, I'm charging people that it has to be perfect. So I, I called them back and they were like, oh, so, so sorry, our bad. We're going to send you another order free of charge. Keep the one that you have, keep the boxes that you have. You can give them away or whatever. And so that's exactly what we did. So we ended up with an extra print run that we sold at like a discount basically. Cause it, yeah. So um, great company so far, customer service wise. And, um, I'm really happy cause they nailed the second run. They, 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 they put in a note. They were like, we'll take extra care to 
quality control it before we print the entire run, you know? And so they did. So, yeah. That's really awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about what you were thinking about for the next one, Um, you know, different ideas, different contributions. Do you have an expected time that you plan on releasing it? It says issue one, 2022. It's obviously, I'm sure issue two is not coming out before the end of December. So is it going to be a one a year, a quarterly, or just whenever it gets done, it gets done. What do you think, Peter? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? And you're certainly not the first one that's asked it. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, it's funny. At the, I'll, I'll share this. So at the very beginning, like back in yeah. 17, 18, when we were first talking about it, I was personally convinced we were going to be knocking these out on a monthly basis. If we were laser focused, this was going to be no problem. And so here we are in 2022, <laughs> you know, issue one is finally complete. So the way we sort of approached the first issue was we're not going to you know, set any artificial uh, deadlines on ourselves. We're going to just do it as we've got time. And when it's done, it's done. You know, it would be massively lovely if we did it on a quarterly basis, but that at this point, it just seems like setting a deadline would just put ourselves under the sorts of pressure that would not equal quality work at the end. So it'll get done when it gets done. And, you know, we'll maintain as, as regular of a pace as is possible. But to be honest, you know, for us to come out and say, yeah, it's going to be quarterly or whatever is not the best idea at this time, I think. So, yeah, you know, it, would you it's agree? been a process. It's been a process of scaling down our expectations, honestly. Um, I think I want to say that I think the pandemic had a huge role to play in it being so mm-hmm. late. Okay. Cause like, I think that if nine 11 or sorry, not if, if COVID hadn't happened, uh, like this would have been done back in like 2019, honestly, or end of 2019. But again, like so many things changed. Like I was working from home and I almost could not work on this at all. Like during that time. Um, I, so I think, yeah, like at first we were so naive to think that we could do like a hundred pages and that we could get it, do it like quarterly or by, you know, bi-monthly or whatever. And again, it's just been a, it's just been a learning process, understanding what it really takes to make a great magazine. I have a newfound appreciation for those guys out there who are doing this as a living. Okay. So like Sega powered, you know, they have a lot of people behind that, not, not to be taken for granted. Like I hope nobody takes for granted when they hold those issues every month that come out in their hands, uh, that they realize just how many people it takes to make that happen, working around the clock, you know, and, um, Mm. and that it's such a great, uh, finely tuned product at the end of the day, you know, uh, all things considered, you know, that's, it's, it's astounding, but, I think what we hope for, I think realistically, I think that what we hope for is to do a annual fanzine that kind of caps off the year and kind of gives people an idea of everything that's gone on in the scene over that year. I think that that is a sustainable, it's an ambitious yet sustainable and reachable goal. And I think that it'll serve the community quite well, you know. Um, no, they won't have as many issues on their shelf, but what does come will be quality and it'll be something very collectible that they'll want, you know, on their shelf. And it'll be almost like an almanac or an, uh, or a, you know, yearbook where they'll look back and they'll say like, this was 2023 in the, in the life of Saturn, you know, that year, you know, these are the things that happened and here are some retrospectives as well, you know, or here are some developer interviews, you know? So I really do hope that that happens. That's kind of what we're going to aim for. Hmm. If we, if yeah, we get better, if we get better and our output gets greater, you know, then 
even even better, you know. But I I want to mm-hmm. keep people's expectations realistic. I think setting a because it's you know it's that same balance right where if yeah. you set no goal and you're like it's going to be done when it's done for for magazine number one that makes sense but yeah. for, for the rest of them it's like yeah you could go another four years very easily but yeah at the same time you know you don't want to you don't want to lose how special it is so I, I think a goal of like let's try for one a year ish. I think yeah. that's really that's a pretty cool thing because it's going to push you to keep doing it. But yeah, you know, one year to, shouldn't feel too rushed. And if it does, no. push it back a couple months, whatever. Right. But you know, exactly. No, I think it's totally attainable. And I mean, we're going to continue to do the podcast and and the Shiro show and the and uh, numerous other things, uh, co- homebrew competitions and PRGE and all that other stuff that kind of does get in the way. But um, you know, for for good reason, and and we're hyped to do it. Um, I think that, yeah, with the magazine, it's just going to be finding a level of balance, you know, and maybe even having more people involved. But um, but definitely like Peter and I uh, are proud of this thing that we did. And you know, we definitely want to do another one for sure. You know, I'm hoping yeah. to do we're hoping to do like a big in Japan issue, you know, like, uh, you know, with very, very, uh, you know, Japanese looking cover art and everything like that. And just kind of really bigging up all of the great Japanese titles that are on the Saturn, you know, cause there are different sides. There are kind of like different, uh, I don't know, corners of the Saturn experience, you know, yeah. and the Japanese side is, is a huge one, you know, for sure. Can't be denied. Mm. You know, one thing I'm so, going to add real quick is, um, you know, back in the day in North America, there was not a dedicated Sega Saturn magazine. It just mm-hmm. didn't exist. You know, ultimately OSSM found its way onto store shelves here, but that was a, you know, a UK uh, magazine. Um, and so, you know, I feel personally having kind of lived through that Saturn PlayStation Nintendo 64 era, that the Saturn story was never really told properly. And so, you know, doing a magazine for a console that's long out of retail you know, one of the freedoms that you get as a writer is you get a chance to tell that story in a way that will be evergreen because you're no longer talking about current events, right? So, what an what an what an amazing opportunity to to get it right, and so you have to get it right because you don't want to you don't want to put out something substandard because it's going to live on forever. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, you know, whether it ends up being you know an annual sort of roundup thing, which I think is uh, you know how we're going to sort of stay focused for now or if it increases to something a little bit more frequent we'll just have to see but bottom line is mm-hmm. it's almost like we've got a responsibility to treat the the material and the content with the care and the reverence mm-hmm. that the fans uh feel and expect right so so that's the mission that we've got for ourselves awesome so you just mentioned Evergreen, which uh, is per- perfect segue. Um, so other than my stupid beer story at the beginning of this podcast, everything <laughs> that we talked about here, like if somebody doesn't discover this interview or this magazine until episode three, they could still episode issue three. They could still come back and listen to this and everything that you say still apply. It's still the origin of the magazine. But the one thing I wanted to ask, and I'm not sure how much you could talk about this, that only mm. really pertains to today and could pros- possibly be irrelevant by the time this even goes public. But um, what the heck happened with PayPal, and is there any oh. good news from them? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got good. We just got some good news this morning. Uh, it rem- uh, let's see. In a nutshell, what happened? Um, so uh, we went live to our Patreon supporters first, like a week or two ago, right? 
And that was, you guys already pretty much bought this magazine. We're charging you the cost of shipping, you know? So if it's five bucks in, or if it's like uh, 11 bucks to Canada or whatever, um, we just offered it to the Patreon supporters. That that went smooth enough, you know, using PayPal merchant service uh, and checkout. Um, you know, I printed a ton of labels. I don't know. I shipped probably 30 or 40 mags to our Patreon supporters. And then it went live to the public, you know, and all of a sudden it was just like, a, you know, a blitz like, OK, everybody's hopping on this thing. And I, I was coming into work um, printing like 50 labels at a time, you know, <laughs> so a lot of it's shipping a lot of stuff out and a lot of things were going to uh, just a myriad of countries, you know, um, and I don't know, I guess everything was fine until we got an order from Japan, you know. And that was like the thing that tipped the scales or something like that, because all just of a sudden an order from Japan, it was not an order from like, not a refund, just no, a base, just an order. it was just our first order from someone, someone in Japan, you know, I'm not going to dox them or anything like that, but uh, essentially, <laughs> essentially, yeah, it was our first order from Japan and that threw a flag with PayPal that were like, can you please ex- uh, explain this transaction? I'm like, What's there to explain? But uh, okay. Um, and you know, we're trying, there was no violation. There was no violation. We were never cited for a violation. It was just like, we find all of this activity all of a sudden, you know, on this account that you guys just opened recently to be suspicious. And now we're going to just put on the brakes and the burden of proof is on you to show us the receipts. In other words, you know, so it was like, I would have to take a picture of the sales page, the, the transaction, print out the PayPal transaction, the lab- the shipping label, the tracking information, and then the positive feedback that we received on Twitter subsequently, you know? And it's like, here, what more proof do you need that we're just selling this magazine basically at cost? And we have f- like full disclosure written on our on our sales page, you know, that this is exactly how much everything costs us, you know, um, you know, if you want it, take it. It's a limited quantity. So, you know, if you want it or if it's just too rich for your blood, no problem, no, no hard feelings, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. And so we thought, okay, well we did, we filed the appeal and we'll wake up tomorrow and everything will be fine. Pat woke up to uh, an email that said, okay, so yeah, you know, we listened to your appeal and we've decided, yeah, you're, you're banned. <laughs> like, we're just going to lock you down. And I'm like, how, how do you come to that conclusion, <laughs> you know, from all of the evidence that we provided you? So yeah, like work. we were basically, that was a bad day. That was Friday. And uh, we, yeah, we both had a bad day at work and then we had to do Shiro show and just kind of like commiserated about it. And then uh, Pat called and we did another appeal. And I guess this morning we got an email that said, we've, I don't know, a human being looked at it, I guess, you know, <laughs> instead of a bot, you know, a human being looked at it and they decided, we're going to partially remove the ban. So like right now our we have partial access to our account, but we still have to, what I don't know. Fuck? A human being looked at this and yeah. still thought maybe something suspicious was going yeah, on. Yeah, like how so do they I checked, they checked I don't your even... website, they checked your YouTube channel, they checked checked your podcast mm-hmm. stuff. And, and folks and are online things. trying to help us out too. Like folks are online uh, like you posted about it and a couple others posted about it and it says your account has been partially restored. We reviewed the information you provided for reference, blah, 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 and have restored some features of your account. As we require more information from you, we've still limited certain features on your account. You'll need to provide the remaining information to regain full access to your account. And, um, oh, you know what? I, I take back my, my WTF then that, that could just very well be the, you know, the person, 
the human being who's looking at that pressed the button to start the turn back on process, but there isn't, there's a process. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's the weekend too. It's the weekend too. Yeah. So I figure we'll go in on Monday and whatever they're asking for, I will give them like, I've got nothing yeah. to hide. You know, I've got all the receipts. I've, I've got the receipts for the, the mailers and the labels and the, you know, what have you, the bags and boards and stuff like that. Like, it's just, we're just this like, tiny little operation trying to like send stuff out to the community. And it's just ridiculous because what happened, what like I used to, I used to send fifties, hundreds, I don't know, multiple hundreds of repros out in the mail, you know, like uh, high quality stuff. I, I, you know, I'm not going to, but I, w- I wasn't sending people crap, but I mean, you know, I was sending repros in the mail through PayPal and I got not a word from them, you know, like, and, and I did like multiple different games, you know, and then like, what happened was the pandemic happened and like multiple emails from PayPal saying our terms of service have changed our, our, you know, this and that has changed, you know, over the past few years. And I've not been working with PayPal over the past few years, you know, cause the pandemic come, come to now. And all of a sudden all those changes add up to like, they are a wildly different company now than they were like a couple of years ago, you know? No, I mean, they, they've been screwing people over for a very, very, sure. I, yeah, it just wasn't affecting me. Now, now, it, now okay. it's affecting me, and I get what everybody's saying. You know, like the PayPal sucks <laughs> website. Like I get it now because it just hasn't affected me up till now. You know, but but yeah, I'm a casualty. I'm another casualty <laughs> of PayPal. It's a, it's a really scary thing too, and it, it's yeah. you know, it. I completely, as a nerd, I 100 percent understand how something could get flagged. Because mm-hmm. you have these algorithms that are designed to pick up on scams and maybe just so happens the order in which you shipped to different countries matched the exact flag for a scam that had just happened. So I understand that. Um, mm. And that that's fair. But shutting your account down, not letting you, you know, flagged and like, yeah, you, it should be flagged to be like, hey, this looks suspicious to us. Maybe it's not if you could just provide us that you actually shipped a product mm-hmm. and that people are receiving it, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Cause at, the, at that point, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Like you're talking about, Oh, I got receipts for this receipts for that. You could be selling toenail clippings. Who gives a shit? If some, yeah. if you're telling people it's a toenail clipping and they're purchasing that and receiving it, transaction over transaction period. over yeah, exactly so, so yeah. and 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 you know they froze us to the point where we couldn't even refund folks so there's like folks who haven't they've paid money it's sitting there frozen we can't touch it i can't buy a label i can't like click ship this order you know so it's like i you know it sucks i can't even refund them which i would do i would just refund them and say hey please put your order through again you know like once we get this all sorted out but i can't so right now we're really just crossing our fingers and hoping that paypal comes to see reason you know at least for now in this you know and then we'll like take the money and run because like seriously but yeah yeah well i mean at least nowadays there's multiple options for different ways to sell that don't involve paypal right yeah i mean that's uh yeah yeah, which will be, which we will definitely we are in the process of looking into. <laughs> we are exploring. Yep, absolutely. So, um, did I uh, did I miss something that you all wanted to talk about? Uh, I've clearly been gushing over this thing, and if if by now an hour into it, people can't figure out that this is actually a hundred percent genuine gushing over this, then I don't know what else I could say. But I mm-hmm. I really loved it. I loved the insert. 
I don't know if that was a surprise and I wasn't supposed to show that or something. Yeah, yeah that's like, fine. You know. Yeah, it was a little surprise. I uh, We went to Patrick and I, we got to do like a pre-screening of Sonic 2, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I went there and they give out a bunch of stuff to kids, you know, they give and and then once the kids left and everything like that, they still had like this huge bag of like posters, towels, uh, stickers. The lady was just like the PR lady was just like, you want this stuff? Because otherwise it's going to end up in a dumpster. You know, I was like, yes, I'll take it. So I was like, those stickers seem like a great thing to shove in the magazine. And then and then uh, the towels I'm probably going to bring to PRGE and give to folks to wipe themselves when they're doing the tournaments or whatever, you know. So there's like these yellow, blue and red Sonic 2 towels that are really cool. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Are they like hand towels or like big they're towels? like, yeah, they're like little terry cloth, you know, like hand towels. You might put it in your back pocket if you're in a band or something like that. It's like that kind of thing or like a, it, almost like a like a handkerchief. But instead, they're like made of like a terry cloth kind of material. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, did I, did I miss anything or did we did we? I don't think so. Yeah, it's yeah, we've unless Peter wants well. to add something. You know, I look, let me just say this there. You know, the folks that engage with the Saturn community, whether it's through Facebook or online or discord or, or whatever way I, I'm, I firmly believe that they still only represent a, a small cross section of, of Saturn fans. Right. Mm. Um, and so there's probably a lot of fans that we just never hear from um, or people that want this, uh, this sort of a product and will enjoy it that we're not going to hear from. And I just, you know, if, if there's something I could say to all those folks, you know, enjoy it. We made this for you because you know, back in the day, before the internet days, we were those fans. We didn't have the ability to connect with hundreds of others, other uh, Saturn fans. So, you know, if this is something that is meaningful to you, you're going to read it, you're going to enjoy it, and it's going to sort of harken back to those uh, uh, those days when the Saturn was current, then, you know, mission accomplished. We've done our job. So, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to make that point that um, it, there are just a ton of busy adults that mm-hmm. don't have time to provide feedback that I'm sure love what you do. I'm sure a, a large percentage of your Patreon subscribers love what you do, but they just, they don't have time to post. They don't have time to engage in conversations. Right. So they're just like, Hey, I'm going to keep firing them, whatever my monthly subscription is and hope that they keep doing what they're doing. So, right. you know, I just, I always try to remind creators of that. And it's one of the many reasons why I always suggest if you're a creator, go to some live event, on a regular basis. If it's only once a year, fine. But it, I've met so many people that I've, I've never seen in the comments that, you know, never, they told me they don't even have social media accounts that, you know, have a cool story about something we did that helped them out. And it's just a really great reminder that you have a lot of people that love what you do. And, you know, it's, it's the internet. Sometimes you'll go three weeks and you'll only hear about the people that hate you. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> why am I even doing this? And you, it's, you got to remind yourself constantly that that is, the small, small minority of people who follow your work and that, you know, I guarantee you there are so many people that are loving this thing that respectfully you'll just never hear from. So just try to keep that in in your mind that whatever good you think you've done, you're hitting more people than you realize. Mm -hmm. I have one message. This is might sound silly, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that um, this applies to everybody, you know, really gamers out there. Uh, gaming can be quite a, a consumptive activity. You know, it, it involves consumption of media and stuff like that. But like, I feel like we're all good at something, you know, and, and mm. you, 
whoever happens to be listening to this or watching this are good at something. You, you have value and you bring something to the table. You know, I don't know what it is, but everybody has different skills, different talents, you know, and if you just, you know, find a way that you can focus that into creating something, um, not to get clicks or, or views or whatever, but to serve the community, to create something that you can look back on and say, I'm proud of that. You know, I created something. I didn't just consume, you know, cause you, yeah, you can spend all your time buying games on eBay or picking them up at, at flea markets and whatever, or, you know, playing games and stuff like that. But it's when you create something that it ends up touching somebody else and impacting someone else in a positive way, you know, um, be it, you know, retro RGB, all the videos that you provide to the community, which have a huge impact and, a, and an amazing collateral value, I feel. Um, and, and then like any, any small thing that we can do to kind of make our mark, you know, um, and it's not just to brag or, or say we made our mark, but it's really just to say we we created something. We didn't just consume. We didn't just take. We we gave back, you know. And so I yeah. think, you know, I would say to anybody, like if you're struggling, feeling like, um, you know, you're you don't have a creative outlet, you know, just think about what you're good at and and think about ways that you could. I mean, there's this one guy who like he had connections. He was like a. I don't know, entrepreneur or something like that. And he found a way to get injection molds made for replacement Saturn cases. And he put them on Amazon. And honestly, I think it's a good deal. Uh, 10 for 60 bucks, that's six bucks a, a case. And that's cheaper than having to buy, you know, Joe Montana or, or uh, I don't know, but John Madden football 98 or 97 or whatever uh, these days, you know, so, and they're great cases. And he even uh, did a second revision, you know, uh, based on fan feedback, you know, so all, um, yeah, no, like different skill sets. People have different skill sets and different uh, wheelhouses, you know. So I would just say find what you're good at and create something uh, and then put it out there and see what happens, you know. See the kind of like reaction people have and, and the kind of uh, doors and windows that it opens for you, you know, in terms of like meeting people and making connections, you know. Yeah, just to expand on that a tiny bit, I agree with everything you said, but to your point, you don't have to be the person that makes a bunch of videos and finds an injection mold right. in the house. You could just have a mint condition manual and access to a really nice scanner. Right. And yeah. that might be the yes. only thing that you've ever created and donated to the community. Yeah. But you upload that. And now every time somebody needs a high quality scan for the rest of the time that the internet exists, your work will help people. Casey, so yeah, yeah, even the smallest little thing, and it feels good to create, even if it's yeah. like, you know, you could argue scanning a manual isn't creating. Fuck off. That is absolutely helping the community. That is helping other people. And you should be proud about that. And you don't have to donate tons of time. Just every little bit really makes a difference. When I, was just telling Andy, I was just telling Andy, um, if you're familiar with the out of print archive, you know, he has been scanning magazine, game magazines for like the last couple decades. Uh, and I have benefited I have benefited infinitely from that. Like, I can't tell you how many of magazines I've downloaded from his site and poured over backwards and forwards and studied so that I could get to the point where I was good enough or, or skilled enough to be able to put something together like this. So, uh, my hat's off to him, you know, uh, and I will say it again, you know, like, so yeah. And that's what he does is he tries to scan these magazines and spare no expense in terms of like making it as good as he possibly can. I mean, he has, he has redone issues that he found were like the color saturation was not up to his standards or he, he, he graduated to a new scanner and he's like, well, now that I've got better equipment, I need to go back and, and redo those magazines. And he doesn't just scan them. He cuts the pages out 
he sacrifices those magazines and cuts the individual pages out so he can get the entire page scanned. So like uh, my hat's off to guys like that. And you're, you're right. You like, it could just be scanning something for the community, you know? Yeah. Anything. Yeah. So, well, this was a blast. I can't wait to do a follow-up whenever issue two is out. Um, you know, obviously I'll put the links on where to find everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, by the time this comes out, either the PayPal thing will be completely solved or you will all very annoyingly hear me loudly come up mm-hmm. with a, a bunch of people to rile up and, and get PayPal to wake up and help you out. Cause uh, cool. <laughs> more people need to, need I hope to it's the hands. first one, honestly, so that, but we just ordered a new run, you know, so we just ordered a, another run of, uh, you know, I expect them to come pristine, you know? And so again, like if people still want them and people are like, I missed out, we'll order another run, you know, uh, we're, we want people to have this thing, you know? And so as long as the, as long as our bank account stays in the positive (laughs) and we can do it, then we will, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both very much. This was a blast. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate your time and hopefully we could, uh, we'll we'll do a follow up with issue too. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yep. Appreciate it.